Fleeter. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier. My personality is I, I want to win badly. I want to win more Lombardis for Philadelphia and our fans. we got the greatest fans around, and I will do everything possible. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is Football at Four. All right, Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. A new podcast is out right now. The next one will come out Friday at 6 a.m. And it's brought to you by Dr. Lyle and Back. Everything from skincare to cosmetic surgery. Go to ilovelyleback.com, 856 makeover for Dr. Lyle and Back. Jeff Mosher is in the house from the Inside the Birds podcast. And he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline with uh, the latest on the Eagles coaching search, some off-season news notes, plus we'll get his take on Rivers uh, retiring and so much more as he joins us now here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Mosh, what's up? Fellas, how you doing? Hope you guys are well on this uh, momentous day in American history. Yes, it's uh, Philip Rivers' day. He retires, and uh, <laughs> that is a it's a great day. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> hey, you know. Um, all right, so so much that is out there right now with where this team stands uh, in terms of hiring the next head coach. Let me start here. Yesterday they added three names to the list that most people deem to kind of be off the radar. Huh? What are they doing? Did any of the guys, Sirianni, Fossil, uh, Dennis Allen, did any of those guys, in your opinion, have – a legitimate shot like when you heard them did any of them raise your eyebrows like huh now that that guy's in the mix that changes things well I'll, I'll take it to a broader perspective guys i think that anybody who sits in the chair with howie and jeffrey is getting a consideration obviously for a reason and if they've got a plan if they have a outline of their program, their coaches that they want, their philosophies and ideals, and it wows Howie and Jeffrey because they're always looking to be wowed, then I, I say that there's an opportunity for them to really you know, become the next head coach of the Eagles, much in the same way that Andy Reid did in 1999 when there was not a lot of buzz around him and nobody knew him, and he had that big thick binder that he brought with him that outlined where the future of the game was going and how he was going to you know, throw the ball all around the field as much as he did, um, and they blew him away. So it would not surprise – I mean, a guy like Dennis Allen has been a head coach, and he is a defensive coordinator for the Saints who have had a very good defense and evolving defense over the past few years. So he's probably got, I would imagine, without being in the room, some pretty good ideas that he's learned from both being a head coach in a really tough situation with the uh, L.A. Raiders and then, of course, going and resurrecting his career – as defensive coordinator with the Saints, and he's been around Sean Payton, so he's been in a good uh, offensive, you know, uh, on a on a staff that has good offensive minds there, and Pete Carmichael, and of course Dan Campbell, who just got a head coaching job, and and I'd say the same about Nick Sirianni being over there. Uh, he's not the play caller, but neither was Andy, right? He may have fantastic ideas on how to repair the quarterback situation here. He may be considered a QB whisperer type. And so I think anybody who has a great plan, Mike and Hunter, anybody who can wow Jeffrey and Howie with whether it be innovation or philosophy or connections to other coaches has a chance. 
Okay, they, they have a chance. Are any of them intriguing? Any of them, uh, you know, Sirianni, I think, is a name that. Dennis Allen's been a head coach. We've heard of him. Uh, Fossil, I don't know where that came from. Uh, Kellen Moore, we you know, he's an offensive coordinator. Uh, Dallas, Sirianni, offensive coordinator for Frank Reich. Does that say, mm -hmm. huh? And, you know, for people who don't know who he is, apparently, you know, he's a younger guy, but people kind of view him as, hey, he's going to be the hot name or get it. Is he one of those guys that if you got to get him, you got to get him now? Obviously, because if you're going to hire a coach, you're not going to hire a coach hopefully again the next year. But maybe you jump on like Joe Brady. You get him early before you miss out. They could be. I, I'm always resistant to that kind of label because sometimes guys enter – the uh, off season as the hot coaching name, they wind up not getting a job. And then even if they do a good job, they still, they, it's like their name doesn't resurface again. And I'll use Greg Roman as an example, although I, it, there's still time. I mean, you never know. Uh, he could be brought in, but last year there were people who felt, and he might've gotten an interview last year. I can't remember if he did or not. I, th I thought he did, but he was kind of that rising assistant coach um, for what he had done with not only Lamar Jackson, but also going back to what he did in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick and his offensive mind is, is respected around the league. And so everybody thought last year, Oh, this guy's probably going to get a job. He didn't. And it's not, I know the Ravens were not as potent offensively this year, but they were still pretty good and they made it pretty far there uh, in the playoffs until, and obviously Lamar getting hurt didn't help their situation, but now you don't hear his name at all. So I don't know that, Sirianni is a guy that you have to get now. I, I've heard that said about Joe Brady as well. You know, these guys will probably get interviews again, but I, I wouldn't rush to hire someone just because you may not get them. You you want to hire someone because you really had your socks knocked off by what they had to present. As time continues to move forward without the hire, does that affect the possibility of the enemy? I mean, he was just the hottest item, and then all of a sudden there's two jobs left, and it, it's just so weird that it played out this way. Well, I, it makes me wonder, Hunter, if people, you know, Adam and I talked about this on the podcast, the Zoom interviews that are going on right now that have gone on for coaches who are in the playoffs, I think that's really hard to to make an opinion on when you just have a couple hours on Zoom. You really need to get to know somebody, you know, and you need to sit down with them and have, you know, multiple people in your organization talk to them. It's got to be a, a process that lasts several hours. So I do wonder with both Houston and the Eagles kind of drag, not dra I don't want to say dragging out their interviews, but taking their time and and not making a rush. If that's because they're waiting for some of those Kansas City guys to maybe get knocked out earlier, or maybe even waiting till after the Super Bowl, or if maybe Brian Dable is still someone that both teams want to speak to. I know there was a report, uh, I think from the Houston Chronicle, that um, Dable was not going to look for a head coaching job based on what he said at the press conference, but I, I read his comments at the press conference. He, it, it didn't seem to me like he was slamming the door closed on it. He said he does want to be a head coach someday and that he's just right now focused on the Kansas City game, but I didn't hear him specifically say, I'm not going to interview uh, this year. Well, that would be interesting that that reopens the door for him. Now, Rob Motti was on yesterday and spoke to Dable specifically, and I think he made it sound like he was focusing on returning back to Buffalo and was going to refocus for next year. So I would, he would be the guy that I would probably still pick at this point if he was available to me, but I, I, who knows? Um, they got so many options out there. You were here Monday and thought that McDaniels has been the, or is the leader in the clubhouse. It seems that there was a lot of buzz the last 24 to 48 hours. It seemed that that's cooled off a little bit. Uh, are we feeling any differently? 
It happened. There he goes. The classic Moshe. Moshe He's there. In that, he, oh, you there he oh, goes. So you can't we hear got me. Him. Well, no, we got you. You're down there in a bunker, and you froze up on it. There you go. Ah, I, had, I had no problems earlier. I don't know why that's happened. I apologize. But um, the I don't know that the steam is any less on McDaniels, but I do. You know, obviously, they were not in a hurry to hire him. They don't feel like they have competition with Houston right now. It's very interesting that the list of play, of candidates that – the Texans have interviewed seem to be completely different than the list that the Eagles have interviewed. So neither team probably feels rushed into making a decision right now. And Jeffrey Lurie said it was going to take time. He said he was going to cast a wide net. And again, I still think he's uh, probably looking at other candidates to give them the opportunity to knock his socks off or blow him away until he decides to make his decision. But I, I don't suspect that there's any less interest in McDaniels because that was the strongest buzz that I had heard. I'm just basing this off of the length of time it's been taking the Eagles. How much of this has to do with maybe the complete staff, you know, the OC, the DC, all the coaches as well that they need, more so than just the guy in the head coach? Because they have a lot to figure out. It's not as easy as just like, hey, we just need a head coach. They kind of have to replenish this in, in entire team. Yeah, that's always a big part of the conversation, uh, Hunter, in the interviews. It's, you know, they want to get to know you, your philosophy, your scheme, your thoughts, but they also want to know who you, and obviously this was a big sticking point with Doug Peterson and what helped lead to his firing, right? I mean, the staff is going to be very important here. And you can't, you can come in and tell these guys you plan to bring in X, Y, Z, and they can all be great candidates, but you also have to have the ability to bring those guys in. I mean, whether you, you have to have the confidence that maybe the, if they're under contract that they can get out of it, or if they're free agents that they're definitely going to come coach you, but you also have to sell Howie and Jeffrey on why these specific candidates are going to do the best job as Philadelphia Eagles coaches. And I, I would imagine that is a big, big part of the conversation in these Eagles interviews, especially because the Eagles over the last three years, four years, five, whatever, since Doug has really became head coach, have had just way too much coaching in and out rotation. And it's not because they were losing guys to better jobs. They were just constantly hiring and firing different assistants along the way, not just on offense, but on defense too. That That's not good. I think it's a bad look. It's bad for continuity. So they need someone to come in here and work with those guys on bringing in a staff that's going to be like Andy Reid's staff, if you remember, where – Guys were, you know, all, you know, they got promoted. They were there for a long time. And then eventually when they moved on to jobs like Harbaugh or McDermott and, and other guys and Ron Rivera, then Andy started promoting guys underneath them and, and filling their, their shoes. That's the type of culture and environment that they need to get back to. Uh, Jeff Mosher, uh, Football at Four from the Inside the Birds podcast. It's powered by the Inside the Birds podcast where you guys talked about Deuce Staley. And you see uh, somebody who's listening or watching the show, I should say, on our YouTube channel. It says players are telling Lori to hire Deuce. What about that report out there that you know some of the players are texting the owner and saying Deuce is the guy? I mean, ultimately, you think Jeff Lori's feeling some pressure from, you know, you got this whole situation where – you know, you got the Wentz thing, how guys are going to go back to that locker room with Wentz and how that's all going to play out. And then you got some guys who are saying, no, I want this guy to be the coach. Yeah, you know what? I think I think he should listen. I mean, I think it really does speak to how well that Deuce would command the locker room. And that's obviously a big part of being the head coach and having that respect, the emotional intelligence that Jeffrey talked about when he hired Doug. 
seems to come into play here with Deuce. I don't think that's even a question that Jeffrey would have to worry about. So uh, it, it does help that you listen to your players, especially your star ones, but it can't be the be-all to end-all. I mean, a lot of those guys who have, if they're texting him, or plenty of them have come out on on other social media uh, platforms and, and made their opinion known. Some of them might not be back with the team, though. So uh, you can't base your decision on what your players want, but I think Jeffrey can take this into account as and I if as if he didn't I know he already knows it, but of the type of presence that Deuce has and the and the respect that he would command. So why is Deuce? And we talked about this the other day in terms of he's got no other options, no other offers or interviews or anything. And and like I I don't want to sound like the guy who's anti Deuce because I'm not. If they hire Deuce. I'm excited. I'm happy. I think he'd be a great leader, and I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. But if he's not the former running back of the Philadelphia Eagles, does he have the same excitement from this fan base who seems like they're excited for Deuce for that reason? You don't go and say, hey, you know what? I want the running back coach from the New England Patriots. I don't know that any other running back coach is getting any interviews or anything. So what is it about Deuce that he's not getting other any other opportunities? And do you think that he is popular here based on the fact that he played here on a very popular era? Well, I do think the fact that he's a very popular former Eagle helps. But I also think the fact that he's been on three different head coaching staffs and been to the playoffs with all three and has risen up the ranks and is the assistant head coach and has helped his team win a Super Bowl as a coach and you look at the running backs who have performed under Deuce Staley here. You've had some great ones who are probably very talented already, like a LaShawn McCoy um, and, and Miles Sanders. But, I mean, uh, you can't discount that Corey Clement was a Super Bowl hero at 100 receiving yards uh, as an undrafted free agent. Josh Adams led this team in rushing a couple of years ago as an undrafted free agent. So several different styles of running backs and of different pedigrees have excelled under Deuce and have credited Deuce for their development. Um, he's w- always been known as one of the best blitz pickup running backs who played and co- and one of the best coaches of blitz, blitz pickup for running backs, which is obviously an essential part of the offense. And I would just say that I get that he's a running back, but, you know, if, if you're a great coach, you're a great coach. Like, the Lions just hired Dan Campbell. He is the tight end version of Deuce Staley, is he not? He was a tight end. He was a tight end's coach. And then he became tight ends coach slash assistant head coach. So I don't think it was his scheme that impressed people. I think it was his leadership and his command and his presence. And so he he also played a non-glorified position at tight end. And somehow he was able to get a head coaching job and interviews before that. So I would never tell anybody that Deuce Daly needs to be a head coach, that they should hire him, that there's something beyond – you know, his abilities that's holding him back. But not getting an interview to me is a is a is a travesty for what he's accomplished as a positional coach and as an assistant head coach, uh, and his resume and the buzz that he's gotten out there, as Adam Kaplan reported on the podcast that we dropped today. He's talked to people in the league who have either know the Eagles or have been with the Eagles and said that they see potential head coach in Deuce Staley very easily. What's ironic to me is, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is big on the offense, and the offense was obviously not good enough for his liking, but Deuce has been here, as you said, 
does that have any play in like the outcome that we've seen over the last handful of years? Did he not have that big of enough say in you know what was going so wrong with this team that they don't fully look into that? Because he was a part of an offense that wasn't successful enough for Jeffrey Lurie's liking. So I'm just trying to figure out how that connects. Yeah, no, it's a great question. He was also part of an offense, right, that was number, what, two in the league that year and won the Super Bowl and then, you know, scored a lot of points in the Super Bowl to beat a great offense. So I don't know how you divvy it out, but I know that if they really felt along the course of the career here, not just this past year, that he wasn't somebody that they valued that much, then why would they have continued to promote him and promote him? I mean, I think the Eagles' actions speak pretty pretty loudly when it comes to how they've treated Deuce. I mean, how many other coaches have been with this team through the Andy Reid, the Chip Kelly, and then the Doug Peterson era? I don't I don't know if there are any. If I can't think of any off the top of my head. So I think that speaks volumes for what not only the organization felt about him, but also every new coach who came in along the way has felt about him. Remember, Chip Kelly hired and fired a lot of coaches too. And, you know, he brought in his own guy. Looks like Moshe hit another rough patch. It's like when you're driving on the expressway and you hit that dead spot in the, uh, you know, right when you go under. Where is that? I don't know, but when I take the Black Horse Pike, there's this one light where if I'm talking on Bluetooth with my father or something on my ride home, he knows. He's like, ah, you hit that light again, didn't you? Yeah, it's like you're on the expressway and it's like, hey, I'm hitting that dead spot. Yep. That was you, Moshe. You just hit the dead spot on the expressway. Oh, but, um, my apologies. I, I want to ask you, uh, Harris is list, uh, watching on YouTube and he put a comment on the stream and we have it up on the screen here he says do you think mcdaniels would be the play caller if he was hired or would they let an oc call it another and my point is the question that came to my head when i saw his comment is if deuce doesn't get the job is he back here as a coach or is he to say you know what this is i'm out that's a great question i think that all that that depends on who the head coach is going to be you know i know that he was upset to be passed over when they hired doug peterson um, he stayed with the team, though. Obviously, he had a relationship with Doug. Whoever they bring in next probably isn't going to have uh, the kind of relationship that he had with, with Doug Peterson, I assume. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know that he's going to stick on. And I would imagine if Josh McDaniels gets the job, then Josh would be the play caller. But, again, that's not, not something I'm 100% sure of. All right. Uh, how about, you know, if Josh McDaniels is the head coach, and we don't know this, but does he bring in an offensive coordinator? Is that something that you think Roseman and Lori will want, or do they want another head coach who has that autonomy to call his own plays? I think it depends on who the head coach is, right? If it's a guy like Nick Sirianni who's never called plays before, they may be a little reluctant. If it's Josh McDaniels, they may want him to call plays, but also to have an offensive coordinator on the staff just to have another offensive um, you know, traditional offensive position that can help contribute. Interesting. Um, what do you make of the reports that suggest, anyway, that they need to sell Lori on Josh McDaniels? That Howie is okay giving up personnel to Josh McDaniels, but he needs to now sell Lori that. Like, hey, you know what, Jeffrey? I don't need to make the picks anymore. This guy's more than qualified. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure of that one i can understand how it, I, honestly i cannot got that dead spot again you know what i mean oh i know what you mean driving up the parkway expressway <laughs> parkway doesn't happen as much 
Nah, I'm not. A, I normally don't take the Parkway too often. Mm. No, nah, not much. All right, I think we're. He's like slowly coming back. See, I guess where he does this call to do, uh, you know, this, this uh, football at four. Football at four. He's got, you know, he's got down because he's, everybody's got the situation with their kids at home. So right. he's trying to get to a quiet spot, and it's probably in an area that doesn't have great cell service or great internet. I haven't had any problems up until today. So I, I got an Eero for my basement. It's been great. I've had no wireless problems until doing this uh, as of late. So I don't know. Well, we didn't hear what you said on that uh, on the last one about how he is he trying to yeah. sell Lori. Um, I you know I don't know about that. It's not something I've heard. But you know, to speculate, I could I could see both sides. I could see Jeffrey really liking. Because of his um, enamored, you know, he's always been enamored with New England's offense and his him being from there. Uh, and I could see Jeffrey trying to sell Howie on it, saying, don't worry, he's not going to try to steal away your power. And then I could see the other side. I could see Howie being enamored with a guy who uh, could come in here and lead this organization. And Jeffrey wondering about, well, wait a minute, as an owner, this guy just left another owner at the altar uh, a couple of years ago. So how, why do I want get to in, get involved with that? So I could actually realistically see both scenarios well let's look at it positively what's the one thing that intrigues you the most out of josh mcdaniels command you know i, th I think he would and listen that could wind up being a guy's downfall too but i mean I, I don't think the i don't think the market and i don't think the moment will be too big for him so i, I guess i'll say experience and command obviously you're in new england you're in a big market you've coached tom brady you've won a lot of rings uh you have developed that offense as far as, you know, probably being an innovator at the slot receiver position. Certainly the, they've found guys to be able to play that position that so, some people had never heard of before they played it, you know, like a Julian Edelman. Um, so th there is innovation there as well. So I do think that he would bring a real um, clear perspective to the offense and bring some command and, and some great experience. I don't think he's going to be phased by the Philadelphia market having coached in New England. Hmm. Um It'll, it'll be interesting, too, because a lot of people think that he is a guy that is will be hard on Carson Wentz. If he gets the chance to coach him. I mean, I, that's a big question right now. Well, if he's the head coach, you would think he gets that opportunity. Well, I mean, you're assuming that uh, Carson's all right with oh, this and he comes okay, back. Okay. I mean, they have a whole thing moving over Okay, there. I'm glad you brought that up. How much say do you think Carson Wentz has on this? At the end of the day, you know... <laughs> It depends. Do you want a do you want a disgruntled, angry quarterback in camp? You right. know, battling for a position with well, with Jalen. You're a franchise you know, you quarterback. Get a good offer for him. You're a franchise quarterback getting paid what he gets paid. They typically have a little bit of say. But are you a franchise quarterback getting paid what he got paid and got benched and didn't play very well? Does your do you have as much say? <laughs> you have as much say as the leverage that you try to um, uh, leverage against the organization that you're with at the moment. So. Uh, like I said, nobody wants a sour guy in camp, you know, making all a big stink. And to say that, well, Carson Wentz is not that type of guy. Well, I never thought Carson Wentz would would publicly kind of uh, let let a let a fractured relationship get get public like that. So, I, I I think it's a big X factor. I don't need I don't know that he's definitely coming back, even if they hire Josh McDaniels. Well, Philip Rivers retired today. Does that amp up the possibility? Everybody says, oh, Frank Reich and the Colts. And, of course, that story specifically said, Jeff McLean's, that even Frank Reich's not sure that he wants to work with Carson Wentz again. 
Yeah, and that's something that I talked about last week. I mean, we're not talking about getting a guy who's coming off like a Pro Bowl or MVP type season. We're talking about a guy who has not looked like his 2017 version in, in a couple of years and is coming off the worst year of his career and now reports of a fractured relationship. I mentioned to you guys that uh, as good of a person as Carson Wentz is, that I there are people around the league who I've spoke to who are well aware of his coachability issues that have resur- that have surfaced here in Philadelphia. So if he, uh, you know if you're Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, yeah, you're probably kicking the tires on it. But you know they gave up a first round pick last year to get a uh, lineman from San Francisco, DeForest Buckner, right? Mm-hmm. So are they going to give up another first round pick this year to not get a player who is going to be a rookie? I, I can't see that happening. So I can understand. You know, maybe they'll make an offer, but is it going to be one that the Eagles are going to find acceptable? I think that's the biggest challenge here. All right, Jeff Mosher, the Inside the Birds podcast. By the way, it looks like uh, the Lions put a request to interview Dave Phipp, and the Eagles have blocked that. So it looks like they want to keep Dave Phipp around. So uh, I would imagine that whoever the new coach is getting Dave Phipp to be the special teams coordinator. Probably if they block that, although a new coach could come in and have their own guy in mind and then – you know, Dave Phipp can be released free agent to sign wherever he wants if they get out of the contract. All right. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm just, it's interesting because I thought the special teams were horrendous this year. They've been good in the past. That's though. true. No, that's true. I just thought this year specifically, they had some tough moments for sure. Most, you know anything about the Stoutland deal? Well, uh, you know, there was that report he was going to co- coach the offensive line at Alabama. And uh, that obviously is not going to be the case because Doug Marone's going to do it. Um, I, I've heard, you know, nothing like I can, con- con- nothing I can concretely report that, uh, that you know, him and the organization are kind of in, it like, well, at least with him, he's not a hundred percent sure of what he wants to do here. Uh, I, I'm guessing he's waiting on the head coaching hire too. But even if that report to get out there that he would, had his eyes on the Alabama offensive line coach job, should probably suggest that he's keeping some options open here and may not be a hundred percent committed to wanting to come back to coach the Eagles. All right, uh, don't forget, Inside the Birds podcast tomorrow, uh, Friday morning at 6 a.m. will be the new edition. The latest edition came out today at 6 a.m., so make sure everybody listening checks that out. Andrew DeCecco, I know he's foaming at the mouth to talk a little draft, so we will uh, throw a couple draft questions his way on tomorrow's edition of Football Before at 4. Adam Kaplan will be here on Friday's show. He's Jeff Mosher, and this is Football at 4, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. All right, Jeff, we got a lot uh, of off-season to get into. Looking forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, guys. I'll try to get the hamster to run around the wheel faster. That that powers my internet here, and so that we're good next time. All right. He, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. That's Jeff Mosher. And if you were watching uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, saw Mosher had a fresh cut there. Yeah, no doubt. You know what stood out to me? It wasn't even his haircut. It's the interaction that we're getting. We have people chatting with one another, talking about Wentz. People watching our show, they're in the comments, kind of having their own little dialogue. Yeah, it's like they have their own little show going on in the comments section. Yeah, they're trying to overpower us. How dare they? Well, there's questions for Jeff that uh, we didn't get to, but one of the questions, I'll throw it up on the screen, and he says, hey, Jeff, do you believe... Carson Wentz is fixable. We can get into that coming up on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN because Jeff Bone and Pookie chimed in and said, Wentz can't be fixed with this front office. How about that?
Back to the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, 4.33, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. You can watch us on the Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter feed, and uh, a lot of people are, and we appreciate that. People sending us pictures. Take a picture of you watching. Take a picture of your screen and send us send it through. Your phone to our text board, 609-403-0973. That would be cool. We've had some people who have texted in just a picture of their television screen. People have us up on their big screens at home. That's cool. Yeah, not just the phone. They're going 75-inch TV. I mean, they really want to see us. I like it. Yeah, me too. So if you're watching the show, take a picture of where you're watching and send it to our text board, 609 403 0973, and then we can pop some of those up for you guys out there. How about what Frank says from Facebook? And he says, I don't see the Eagles taking a $34 million cap hit for a trade for Wentz. I don't think Lori's setting a new record for dead cap hit absorbed. Pittsburgh holds a record at $21 million for Antonio Brown, and Wentz hasn't ever been that bad. I think he will be an Eagle next season. So that kind of goes off of some of the questions that we have. Uh, from Mint Diggity, who wants to know, do you believe Carson Wentz can be fixed. Jeff Bone and Pookie says Wentz can't be fixed with this front office. And then Frank threw that question in. Well, he doesn't see him trading it. So which is the best possibility? And I guess the question that I got to throw off that is, does it depend on the coach? I guess it does depend on the coach. Yes, absolutely. Because as we always talk about, there's always, uh, most coaches, pretty much all of them, think that they can do a better job than what the previous coach did. And they they feel so strongly about how they operate that they believe that they can fix this guy. What should they do? I think they got to take that cap hit and start fresh. I think they need a full-on new identity. I just feel no matter what's true in the story, what's a little bit stretched out in the story, there's too many stories, too many... Uh, <laughs> Too many articles about his personality and not being coachable. There's just so much drama surrounding the guy that I think all is lost. No matter if he can turn it around or not, whether he can be fixed or not, I just don't know if it's the best thing to do bringing him back here. I think you got to hit a full-on refresh button. In a perfect world, I think if they if if money didn't matter, that's the problem. If money didn't matter, we all know that's just not the problem. I mean that's not that's not the world we live in. Money, the only thing that matters is money. Yeah, but they know that they're going to have an issue with the cap for next season anyway, and it's almost like they have that mentality of punting a couple years. So what's the difference? I don't if like that mentality. I know, but they already told you that. They said Doug wants to win, and we're not ready to do that right now. So they already told you that that's what they're that's what they're trying to do. Your almost. mentality changes really quick when you are proven that oh wow we are closer to winning than maybe we thought. And I'm not saying they're closer to a championship than maybe we thought. I don't know. Maybe I'm out of my own boat, my own island here, thinking they're not going to be a. Four, this isn't a four-win roster. I can easily see this being akin to 2012 to 2013 when they go from a four-win team to a ten-win team. I wouldn't be shocked in the least if they won ten games next year. And that that means Carson Wentz is playing at a much better level. That the coach has added something to this mix. The offensive line is a big factor of why I feel that way. I've been very vocal about that. They nail the sixth pick, and that person comes in and makes an impact. 
They're healthy. They don't have the same injury problems that they had over and over. I know that's a lot of ifs and ends and ifs and ends, but you know what? One of these years, they, the injuries have got to stop. One of these years, they have to be healthy. And I say healthy, the Super Bowl year, I think they lost 10 guys. If they lose 10, I'll be all right. Not 48. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know if the cap hit is going to stop them. I don't know if the reason they're not going to move on from him is the cap hit. I could be wrong, but you don't think where there's just too much smoke, it's time to make that next step and, and kind of look in another well, direction? Wait, 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 wait. There's too much smoke on both sides. You got the problems with Wentz that was being reported. I thought Motti made a great point yesterday. If somebody wants to write the story about how much he's liked, you're good. if Rob Motti wants to write a story about – if he wants to go to Jason Kelsey and get quotes, if he wants to go to Zach Ertz and get anonymous quotes, you're going to get a story that says, no, where he's fixable. We can win with this guy. He's a great teammate. Here's the difference, though. I don't think Carson Wentz wants to be here. And that's a, if he goes in that office and goes, because we heard it, he's, he needs some time to think about things. And obviously with Doug getting fired, maybe that opens the possibility of him being happier to be here, but if he doesn't want to be here, sort of like Doug Peterson, had enough. I don't even want to coach next year. There was too much involved. I don't think Carson wants to be here, and if that's the case, I think you have to look at him and move him even with the cap hit. How about what Michael says? Coaches can't fix Wentz unless Wentz is willing to fix himself. So, is he willing to fix himself just not here? I, or is I would he not willing be to shocked. start fresh and say, okay, I guess the question then becomes, did he and Doug have a bad relationship or fractured relationship? Now, some people would say that's overblown, yada, yada. I don't know. Or does he feel betrayed by the front office that he doesn't want to be a Philadelphia Eagle and represent Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman anymore? Because you're getting a new regime. You're getting new coaches. Doug Peters is not here. So you, if you're Carson Wentz, you could say, okay, bygones. I'll still wear the uniform, but I didn't want to be here with that staff. I don't think it's a Howie and a Lori thing. I think it was more. So that makes the chances better that he would be open to coming back. Yes, but I do think that you left one out. The media of Philadelphia. I think that the fan base of Philadelphia, the media of Philadelphia, all the stories written about him, he probably feels like he doesn't have the support. And whether that's being soft and not having thick skin, whatever, I think that the narrative surrounding him has gotten so heavy that He's just unwilling to want to continue to play here. I think that could play a big role, right? Every day you wake up, there's another story about how much of an ass you are. Seriously, though, if, at some point it probably the media carried us. Yeah, they'd be like, "Wow, us. bro, Jesus, you know what?" Right? If they're, if they're like the newspaper or somebody was writing articles every day about what an ass you are. Yeah, it's a it's a lot easier to Josh say. Josh Henning yeah. <laughs> left the gym and put broccoli on his knee. Right, and then there'd be talk shows about how dumb. Josh is for four hours every day just ripping Josh for his knee. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I guess Josh gets ripped on Twitter, he says. Frank says, in the NFL, you could turn around faster than any other sport. They do have good players, like Mike said. I mean, the health is a big factor for me for next season. If they're healthy, and again, that's a big if. There's Deshaun Jackson back here, and he's healthy. Because guess what? If Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy... That's a big difference. If Lane Johnson can stay healthy and Brandon Brooks can stay healthy, that's a big difference. I think next year I'm still concerned because of cap stuff. I think it's the year after that I'll open back up to that possibility. But that's a quick turnaround. See, I don't think it's a five-year plan. They're Oh, they're so far away. I think they're still going to be in that 
bad-ish range next year just based off of having to make some tough personal decisions. But once they hit that reset with the cap, I think that's when we can imagine them taking a step in the right direction, which is it's not that long. It, it's really not. I, I think it's going to be like one more bad year, and then you start to see the positive signs again. That, that's kind of where I'm at mentally. And, look, I think next year, you know, I say you go from 4 to 10 you know, like I don't know. Maybe you're nine and seven. Maybe you're eight and eight. But there's all like I wouldn't be surprised if you were in that boat. If you went from did you see like by the way their schedule next year is filled with home games against some you know pretty Atlanta Detroit I forget who else their is own there, division they're playing <laughs> right they're playing the, the the fourth place schedule and that there's a team every year that plays the fourth-place schedule, and that makes that complete turnaround. And one of the reasons why you were in last place the year before is because you were so hurt the year before, and boom. So I, I can immediately see the Eagles being a candidate for that. And, I, I, you know, I know we have a whole offseason. I don't know what kind of money they had to spend. I don't know how active they can be in free agency. But does Wentz just say, you know what, there's a new coaching staff I'm just going to – I'm just going to take another shot here. I would like for that to be the case. Like, if he had a new mindset, a different philosophy, he came to work every day with this positivity, and he changed his whole entire uh, career around, I prefer that. But there's a little bit of me inside that just thinks, you are so far gone. This has just hit a breaking point with the city. Not so much Doug, not so much Howie. It's the entire city and everything surrounding that logo. Everything he does now is intensified by $500 billion. Any other quarterback has a loss the same exact way played out as Wentz in this city. It's not being discussed the same way just because of all of the storylines tied to number 11. So uh, part of me thinks too far gone, but if he's willing, as the, the texter or the Facebook messenger says, if he's willing to change his mentality, then sure, I prefer that. I just don't know if that's going to be the case. All right, uh, some more messages coming in. If you're watching us live on the uh, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter stream, thanks to everybody who's been sending messages our way. Harris wants to know, how did Foles handle the pressure better than Wentz? I mean, playing Texas football helped Foles, where Wentz playing in North Dakota, it wasn't as big. Like, the fact, forget all that. The fact that Wentz, how has he handled all this? He still hasn't come out and talked. He still hasn't said anything about all this that's gone on. He didn't say anything about the coach getting fired. I think Harris makes an interesting point is the temperament that Wentz has. Does he have the temperament, as you've kind of said, forget the coaching changes. Does he have the temperament to deal with the media here? Well, I think one of the big reasons why he's not saying anything is nothing because of, like, his personality. I think it's all agent stuff at this point, right? Like, the agent's in his ear, whatever his inner circle is, whoever is involved is telling him to do this for a reason. This is strategic, so I don't think it's just because Carson Wentz doesn't want to say anything. There's a lot planned on why he hasn't spoken. Would you agree with that? Um, then he's getting bad information. Well, yeah, yeah, unless it's good information. I mean, who knows? It depends. Like, he could have said something and said the wrong things, and it could have blown up in his face, so well, you could look at I it mean, that way. I, I would think that his agent and them should have quickly said, look, you need to get out there and talk and I would put imagine, this to rest. Yeah, I now would, it's fester too long. I mean, yeah. no matter what he says, he's you didn't come out and defend your coach when he got fired. Right. And then I will go to the Nick Foles point. When you're a backup quarterback, how much pressure is on you? Did anyone really sit there and demand Nick Foles to win? And that's not to take away any blame on Carson Wentz because he needs to handle it better. But when Nick Foles comes in, 
You don't sit there and expect him to dominate the game like he did. That's what made that thing so miraculous and so fun and so entertaining that this guy just went on this miracle journey. The reason why Nick Foles was able to handle it is because there's not a lot of expectations when he comes into the game. Mint Diggity says his mechanics were bad, missing simple five-yard out routes. All can be fixed, but according to sports media, he needs an attitude adjustment. It's all up to him. Is he saying that it's just the mechanics and the sports media is making up the attitude adjustment? I don't know. He said, like, the way it's his mechanics were bad, period. Missing simple five yard routes. Like, that's all true. His mechanics were bad. He missed simple throws. But according to sports media, he needs an attitude adjustment. I don't know that people said he needed an attitude adjustment. I just think people said, look, like, he didn't play well. But he also didn't handle not playing well well. You're the leader of the team. You know, it's like everybody wants a pat on the back. This guy did a lot of great things, and nobody told him he did great. Well, sometimes being great is your job. And then at the end, you get told, you know what? You did a really good job. If you're asking for adulation every single day, then you're not doing the job. You're doing the job in hopes that people tell you you do a good job. And Wentz, it's almost like he, he didn't play well and he wanted to be told he was playing well, even though he wasn't. And he just wasn't a good – like, there's a difference between doing a good job and being a good leader. The, the great ones can match both of those together, being a great leader and doing a good job. And part of being a great leader is not needing to be told – Hey, you're doing a good job because a great leader doesn't need to be told, please tell me I'm doing a good job. Please give me praise. Please pat me on the back. No, a leader says, I don't care whether you tell me I'm doing a good job or not. I'm doing my job because this is what I was hired to do. And that's where Wentz, I think, is, has failed a little bit. Absolutely. And it's not so much an attitude problem. It's more like a mentality switch. And I see that completely different, right? Like, sure, I mean, I guess you can say it that way if that's the way you view it. But I see a mentality switch differently. You just got to be more open to getting coached and more open to relating with your teammates. And, and that's not necessarily an attitude adjustment. It's more like just a, just a little bit of a mentality change. I like Roz. He says, as a Wentz supporter, I had enough of him. Get him out at all costs. Rivers retired. It sounded like you texting me after the first Buffalo Sabres game when they lost 6-1. I just felt so weird being that irrational. I liked it. You should try it more often. It's fun. You know what else is fun? Making a ton of money, Gil. And you can do that utilizing DraftKings Sportsbook. You can bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. If he does, you'll be cashing in 200 $157. That's right. Bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing out $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It is that simple. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, when we come back, Durso at 530 tonight. When we come back, though, Want to get into uh, a little bit about what's going on with the Phillies. I got a Phillies point I want to make. Wake up weekday mornings from 6 to 10.
right, 4.53 on the Sports Bash. Coming up at 5.30, Flyers insider Kevin Durso will talk about the Fly Guys win last night and the loss the night before and then what's going up with the injuries. We'll have that all coming up tonight at 5.30 with Durso here on the Sports Bash. Mike and Broads at Mike Gill Show on Twitter and, of course, uh, at Broads81. You can uh, follow us there. Watch the show live on our uh, multiple platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So if you uh, subscribe to us on those places, YouTube is the best place to subscribe. You can watch it right on your television on YouTube if you have a smart TV. I want to get a Phillies point in here real quick, though. The baseball stuff is heating up a little bit. You saw Springer. You're seeing some stuff. Are the Phillies, did they make, uh, uh, like, in other words, are we changing, like, um, uh, Middleton was like public enemy number one, but did they play this right? Yes, they did, and I even said so that. You're at take the back time. what you said about Middleton. No, no, no. I, I mean, they played it right, but his message was a little flawed. If, if that makes sense, like I even said that from the jump of COVID happening. I think playing the market is smart because it's not going to be the same. Like, this is going to impact the market. So you can play it in a smart way, which I think they did. The way that he was talking about, like, two days before Thanksgiving, he lays off all these people and he's saying this and that. Like, his messaging was brutal. But in terms of waiting for JT Real Muto, I was saying it from the jump. I thought it was a smart idea to do that. So do you feel better now that... JT is going to be back and at a better price. Yes, because I think that uh, I never thought it would be 110-ish, so that's really good. I think with George Springer leaving the market, there's really nobody else involved at this point. And he might even get Didi back. Now we're talking about a little bit more. They interest. get Real Muto and Didi. Expectations change? For <sighs> Broads, Blaine Rose challenges in says, Broads, Broads, do uh, expectations change? They still need pitching, so I don't think so. Bullpen's a little better. Little. Hope. Little. That's starting staff. Spencer Howard, Vince Velasquez get the ball every fifth day. Yay. What about that DH thing? We got to bring that up. I want to.